Hello, and welcome to another edition of Cybersecurity Chronicles. So this episode is a part two, in effect, for our last episode, where we had Professor Michael Lassiter, also of NetSwitch, join us and talk about vulnerability assessments and penetration testing 101, an intro to both. This week, we're going to continue those topics, but it's going to be at a 201 level, at a slightly more in-depth discussion about those two areas. And actually joining us this week, in addition to uh, Professor Michael, is Stanley Lee, CEO of NetSwitch. Stanley, I'm going to hand over to you to talk more about what VA and PT 201 means <laughs> and take it from there. Thank you, James. And uh, thanks, Michael, for being here again. So, you know, last week I listened to the podcast and get very excited about, you know, this conversation because, you know, we've been, NetSwitch has been performing both vulnerability scanning or some people call it vulnerability assessment and also penetration tests within the last 15 years. And long before that, they have software automation process for this purpose. And, you know, while talking to Michael last week when Sean and you focusing more about the business and the clarity. So I thought that he'll be actually jumping in this week to give more further clarity about the subject and particularly around the VA vulnerability assessment, PT penetration testing signature malware and signatureless type of malware that was discussed last week in in you know touched on last week and a lot of people still um confuse or misunderstand because there are so many marketing material out there try to talk about those two separate things in the same breath and but they are two different type of animals they have each has their own function that's why I told Michael, Michael, we should talk about that and, you know, what is signature and what is signatureless type of malware? When do I apply VA? When do I apply PT? And they should be, of course, from our perspective, they should be managed as a security assessment management in the same breath. Yes, but they are two different tools to address you know, multiple different things. And of course, why now we start talking about this is because the automation tools are available with pen testing. That it actually didn't happen, you know, up until about two years ago. It's, it was not there two or three years ago. So we waited to making sure this type of product is more mature, is ready. And I don't think it will, will be ever be, it will never be 100% automation because there are so many elements inside what we have, what the tools might be able to find that requires human to process all the false positive and requires human pen testing to further penetrate after the tool has have find any potential threats. So that's the key differentiator why we do it. What we do is we're using tools to lower the cost and make it faster. But and then we still need to have expertise like Professor Michael to look through the whole program and focus on what the tool find and continue to explore it because that is what the hackers do. Right, Michael? I'm going to pass it on yeah. to you. Yes, that's right. Um, and one of the growing trends that we see within the field now is, I would say it's called exploiting the trusted relationship. And what I mean is, let's say you have a Windows environment. 
to bypass AV, to bypass the seams. Exploit was already on the Windows machine. So it doesn't even appear as malicious from the outside. As as we're going to file this malware, what that is basically if an attacker was to basically envelope his code, a PowerShell script, if you will, and what happens is it's enveloped and it's run on the Windows machine. And by being a PowerShell script, it will already be passed as something that's innocent. And when it runs, it will not leave a trace physically on a drive because it's entirely within memory. So that's what they're doing. They're using that particular tactic in post-exploitation, knowing that it would not leave a physical trace on the drive because the entire operation is within memory. So they basically can have a reverse shell on their own system and just run through the network and leaving barely a trace unless, as Stanley pointed out, you have behavioral analytics running that could send an alert of something that does not seem so normal. But what happens if it seems innocent? Then that leads to a potential breach that goes without being discovered for half a year, as we've seen in many cases. Yeah, that's perfect. You mentioned about behavioral analytic, Michael. But in the, let me try to, for the business users, for people that is not less technical about this issue, let me try to clarify it a little bit. So behavioral analytic is like a monitoring system. It monitor continuously to look for the signatureless type of attack, which you just mentioned. But it doesn't help in that what we do with the VA or PT, because VA, first of all, it doesn't even look at it. it the capability is not ready to look into those signature-like type of malware. They just cannot do that. The nature of VA. That's where PT comes in. The penetration test would able because using the human resource as well as the automation to shorten the time, they will pick up those type of threats. But it's still, it's only a snapshot in time with the pen tester being, con uh, when they are doing the conducting, the pen test itself. But if it needs to be continuously monitoring, that would require a behavioral analytic. And that's why we partner with DocTrace since 2014 with this type of solution. So we have been you know, watching this type of signatureless type of malware, or some people call it APT, Advanced Persistent mm -hmm. Threats. Um, these type of malwares that it can morph and it would change on its own. And what Michael had touched on, that you were not able to chase it using vulnerability assessments. And bring back to the discussion about VA and PT. And both of them are those just point in time that we would take a snapshot and see what kind of threat landscape is happening during that point in time that being the scanning or testing being done. And one way of what we're also using it right now is to offer, you know, eventually unlimited type of pens uh, testing, going to be similar just like into VA nowadays, 
to replace VA to go into deeper into exploring this type of signatureless type of threats. And we have been applying vulnerability, I mean, sorry, behavioral analytic type of tools, as I said, to our customers' organization to monitor the uh, signatureless type of malware. So we believe this, that the VA eventually is going to be eliminated because it's going to be replaced by the penetration test. But nevertheless, because VA has been around for such a long time, it still has its value and you know it still costs just cheap enough to do it. And they are actually open source being offered to do it at no cost if you know how to operate on the open source tool. But of course, the, with the we find out recently with the open source tool is crash. It took us like thirty hours to fix that in order to get it back and running. So obviously, open source has its problem as well. But nevertheless, it's there. And pen test, it's just being mature. And pen test as a service is just being mature enough as part of the whole process doing pen testing. And the automation. And now, Michael, would you please talk about what you would do after the pen test to done this job with the automation process? And where would you come in? Why would I still need a pen tester like you? <laughs> so, Michael, please elaborate what you do for us. And particularly oh. tied it back into what you're talking about, you know, how you're starting with like a networking structure pen test and go into web applications and how do you look for those signatureless type of attacks? Oh, a great, a great point. Where network and web applications, they have some interrelated connectivity um, and some exploits that are, that are executing as a web app can lead a, an attacker inside a network. And he can use the application, a potential pivoting point to get inside of a network. And I would say number two, with the penetration test, is able to show the business impact of misconfigurations. A vulnerability suspect cannot do that. And in the larger organization, the greater the business impact. Um, let, let's say you have a great number of end users who shouldn't have administrative privilege that can allow an attacker to pivot at a greater percentage now because he has so much more room to move laterally within a network because you had many users who shouldn't have administrative privilege. Um, once a pen test is delivered, what's next? Does it stop at one particular pen test? No. Um, I would say, let's say you have a large organization and you have two factors that are always swapping out, people and technologies. When you're swapping technologies, you will need another pen test. If you're swapping people in and out, you will need another one too, because let's say they don't have the time frame to bring everybody up to speed. So you can have a mixture of individuals who are not well acknowledgeable of what they're working with on a day-to-day basis and ignorantly, not knowingly, opening the door for more vulnerabilities to be exploited. So yeah, one it, it ties into what you said about misconfigurations and which oh, is yeah. a lot of times that, you know, as a network engineer, as a network consultant before, 
That that's something that I see all the time, and people just because people think that oh, I'm going to deploy one network and you know a multiple network with the same image, if you may, you know, same structure is you know if I do do a pen test on one, then the other should be good to go too. I don't need to do all of them, and in fact, that is a mistake because about that misconfigurations. And we actually had a customer did the same thing, and with the IT administrator who had the privilege access to the network and then one of them opened up a port for testing a new software because it's a different region the language is different so they testing that regional type of software open up a firewall and boy and that got them into trouble because they he left it open for longer than 30 days and didn't think about too much about it because sometimes you just need to let the test run right which is you know happens all the time with a lot of us that that just kind of let the test run and the trial software to operate and forgot that port was open and then of course like 60 days later that you know the hackers knocking on their door so that's where we call and we have to, you know, find and we find out through the lock, and that's what happened. So that's where, um, for the audience that who try to get and understand about the PT and the behavioral analytic type of tools, the differences. Yes, PT when I come and do the scanning, and same scenario, same case that they, you know, multiple network throughout the different regions. I do the testing. Okay, at that point, everything might look fine, but the time that I step out at the door that one of the IT administrator turn on and testing some of the software and that already has changed the network environment and mm-hmm. right at that point that they would already able to allow the hackers to come in because that they just need to do you know they need to do their job and they have to open that firewall port to do their job and if without monitoring that would cause this type of happen uh, this type of uh, um, problem to occur so pen test now it's now become more effective and that's the part that why we emphasize uh, why i want to emphasize now you know as far as i'm concerned vulnerability assessment you know, eventually in a few more years, there is no place for vulnerability assessment. It's great that if you learn the tool to, you know, use it on your own occasionally for meeting certain criteria for the compliance, such as like the reporting, but penetration test is going to replace that. And eventually, you know, monitoring by the behavioral analytic would be even better than looking at the pen test. But at the pen test, it still has its value because it's usually done by a third-party pen tester who has years of experience. Mm-hmm. That's why we have Michael. You know, it's a it's a privilege to get Michael on board with Nestwitch, and because he's been teaching on this subject as well, and. You know, that's why we want to using this episode to talk about the differences. And I hope that it helps and it might creating more confusion. James, what do you think? I hope that we have <laughs> clarified the subject a little bit more, not confuse it even more. I definitely learned a bunch, gentlemen. So uh, very interesting um, from a non-technical business owner's perspective, although don't profess to understand all of it. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so maybe I, we I, should do another one, right? <laughs> Let's well, see what I, the audience think and give us the feedback, right? Well, I, I always like to ask questions such as, Michael, I mean, what, what are the most common questions that you get asked by 
the clients that you serve. So you're engaging for NetSwitch to uh, to help with with a cl- do pen- penetration testing for a particular client. What are the most kind of co- common questions that clients ask you that you have to provide clarity for them about? I would say, building upon my experiences, um, I would say some of the commonly asked questions are: Will the pen test harm the environment? Would it damage anything? Would it cause our services to go down? Um, you know, what should we do if you discover a critical, you know, are you able to give us something, at least a preliminary type of drive, if you discover a critical that could really affect our business? You know, those are more of the frequently asked questions. Um, but I would say most of them do center around if the pen test could harm the environment, which has previously let them to only want a vulnerability assessment because they would be cautious about any potential damage. So I would relate to them, no, there'd be no damage, no denial of services, no breaking down of anything you need during a production time or even all production hours. In all of my penetration tests I've ever committed, I've yet to see an environment go down because I've always learned how to approach it without affecting their business. And, and so people that have experienced issues with penetration testing in the past, is that because of the inexperience or lack of skills of the person doing the penetration testing? Yes. Many of the times you have maybe a, a very inexperienced pen tester who's the size of sent a, a highly threaded scan against one particular port and service and doesn't realize you don't have to do that, but they do it to a point where they don't know how to keep the throttle down and it brings down a particular service. Now it affects all the employees of the business who can't complete their work because you have an inexperienced pen tester who didn't know you shouldn't do those things. You don't have to send a bunch of data packets to know what's going on. You can use NatCat within Cali Linux, or you can use another way of seeing what's out there without causing extreme harm. So it's made some clients more cautious so I bring their concerns down a bit <laughs> by letting them know, even during the rules of engagement, if they ask, Michael, what are you going to use in the pen test? It's laid out clearly so they can expect what's, what's going to be used and what's not going to be used, which pivoting off the last week's podcast with manual and automatic pen testing when I do manual pen testing, it's so soft, it would not generate an alert. I'm, I'm really crawling my target and seeing what's going on. And what we keep talking about using the white glove experience. <laughs> these are the things that you just can't do 100% automation. It will never be 100% automation. You just need to have that human touch. But of course, it, that human needs to be experienced enough know when to stop know when to start and that is the critical out of all the pen tests that we have been done and of course you know michael has experience dealing with in in enormous size of network across the globe and and so it'll be a benefit for our clients Wonderful. Well, I, I'd like to thank Michael and Stanley both for joining today. Stanley, would you like to have the final word for to, to wrap up for, for this particular episode? 
Yeah, well, I, I think the final word is for this episode. It's, we know it is a very confusing type of um, uh, different type of technology and process and people around these issues. And that's why I like to spend more time with my client initially. And that's why we have the three steps to care process. And the first step is carefully articulations to find out what the pain points are, what the needs are, what the budget is. What, where's the strategy of the company growing, not just on the cybersecurity, but IT in general, because it's affecting the businesses. And what we do is, you know, if we don't do it, it's even a bigger impact to the business because now we know the hackers world is very active and it becomes a financial world for them to continue to go after all sides of businesses. And they have more automation, auto, uh, more automation too to do it now than before. So again, we, you know, the way that we, we've been managing, I've been managing for 20 years is clearly to communicate to our clients how we do it. I think that's the most important part. Wonderful. And then, and then, so how do people find out more about NetSwitch and your services and how do they get in touch if they have questions? Yes, that they, they can go to our website and netswitch.net and they will find us there. And also that if you go on LinkedIn on my profile account, and you can find me Stanley Lee, last name spells L-I at LinkedIn. And then you can find me there and then we can connect and we can chat through LinkedIn as well, too. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Stanley. Thank you, Professor Michael, for your insights. Um, it's been another great. It's been another great episode. Let, we'll see if we can get you back for a, for a part three, for Michael. What do you think? Hey, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Thank you both. Thank you, James. Thanks, Michael. Thank you.